himself as healer. Sometimes we don't emphasize this enough, but we go right to the very beginning. Exodus 23, verses 25 to 26. God says, worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. Deuteronomy 7.15 The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. Exodus 15, 26, he said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, for I am the Lord who heals you. God claims to be our healer. We must come to a realization of this as we go through the Bible. Healing is not just something that God does. Healing is part of who God is. His intent is not to bring diseases upon us, but to heal us. Jesus came not to judge us, but to save us. We need to get the right perspective of this. And show the Alliance logo announces Jesus as Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. The crown, there it is, I circled it for you. The crown stands for Christ as our coming King. And we looked at that last week. He's coming back, literally coming back to set up his reign on planet Earth. Then we have the picture. And that's what we're looking at this morning. It symbolizes Christ, our healer. The area of physical healing and, of course, spiritual healing. The cross, Christ as Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. When we come to communion later this morning, we're going to be reminded of that. Christ, our Savior. And then... Christ, our sanctifier. And that's the picture that always confuses me. I'll say this always is right from the beginning, years and years ago in the Alliance. I, I just, I would always look at that and say, is that a wine cup? You know, like a wine glass? You know, like this. I, I just, you know, I always have trouble with it. But what it is, is a laver. So, so what is a laver, you might say? Well, it was a large basin that was in the temple and it was used for washing for cleansing so that's what that represents it represents the cleansing the power of the holy spirit in the area of sanctification if we were to look at jesus's ministry on earth we were to just move through the gospels we would come to the realization that much of his time was spent on healing people Again and again as we move through the Gospels, we find Jesus healing. In fact, Jesus never turned anyone away. All who came to him, 
He healed. He healed people with a spoken word. He healed people by letting them touch him. He healed people by laying his hands on them. He healed people by simply declaring that they had already been healed. In fact, like he never even saw them and he declared that they were healed and they were healed. Most were healed instantaneously. Sometimes Jesus healed using kind of strange means, you know, making mud, spitting, making mud, smearing it in eyes, you know, kind of weird stuff like that. But he always healed. The deaf and the dumb would hear and speak. So a deaf person who had never, never heard before would instantly be speaking. Things we today don't even hear of happened while Jesus walked this earth. I'm reminded of a woman who had a blood flow, an issue of blood, and, and she was just always bleeding. She touched Jesus' garment. She touched his clothes. And she was instantly healed. In Luke 6, 19, it says, Power was coming from him and healing them all. That's the Lord and Savior that we worship. That's the Lord and Savior who we proclaim. But Jesus not only healed those who followed him, he sent us out to heal others. And many times we forget that. We gloss over it. But no, he sent us out to heal. Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. And he says to them in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, he says, he says to them, here it is, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So God sent out the 12 to do that. Then he sends out 72. And we come to Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, it says there, where Jesus tells them, he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And he sends us out today to heal. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for our spiritual healing, but also for our physical healing. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 says the following, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. He restored us into right relationship with God the Father. He paid the price for our sins. But now, catch the last, it says, and by his wounds we are healed. Not just a spiritual healing, but a physical healing. And then when we come to Jesus' return, what we find is that even in Jesus' return, healing takes place. Revelation 22, Ezekiel 47. I'm not going to read those passages. You can read them. But when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom, 
healing takes place. Not just for humanity, but for all of creation. The miracles associated with Jesus' first coming were to verify that Jesus was the Messiah. That Jesus is the promised Christ. That the power of God was in him, real and present. Today, the miracles that are associated with obedience and proclamation of the gospel, they do the same thing. They verify the truth of the gospel and the power of God. Miracles are to take place today as they did 2,000 years ago. And they do. They do. Many of you, I look across, many of you have experienced God's healing. I myself have experienced God's healing. I think back to about, it would have been about 12 years ago, while building my house, I fell down into the basement and, and my back, basically they said it broke the vertebrae. You don't break vertebrae, you crush them or whatever. But, but you know, I, 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 I was like that. And I still remember, and I know I've told this story and you heard it, but I remember the specialist, the orthopedic specialist, he was sitting there at the university hospital there examining me and he goes, you're one lucky man. You're one lucky man. He was a Chinese fellow. And he kept you know, going back and forth like that as he was looking at me. And then he was looking at the x-rays. I was still over and hurting. And I said, what's kind of the hope? He says, you're just going to get more and more bent over. And that's the way you're going to go. I still remember the morning I was over here. Prayed and touched I was prayed for and touched by the Holy Spirit. Today I stand like this before you. God heals. God heals. And I know that there are many of you that have experienced the healing of God. Still happens today. And so the miracles that were associated with obedience and the proclamation of the gospel verify the truth of the gospel and the power of God. And today, it's the same. It's the same. It's there. Many times people connect sickness to sin. But that's not necessarily true. And I'm reminded of the story in the gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, we find a man who is born blind. And the disciples see this man born blind and they ask Jesus a question. And they say, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? See, sometimes we do that. Sometimes we think that, that disease or something like that, sickness, has to do with sin. But that's not, that's not true. What did Jesus say? I have that on the PowerPoint already behind me. It says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And, and Jesus healed the man. This is one of these strange times of healing. What did Jesus do after he said that? He spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and he put it in the man's eyes. 
And he told the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he did. And he could see. You know, sometimes, though, sickness is connected to sin. You know, sometimes we abuse our bodies. And the result is that our bodies are abused. That's the result, right? And our bodies can end up with organ failure, liver problems, other issues, hepatitis C. It can go on and on. So sometimes sickness is connected to sin. We need to realize that. So sometimes sickness is not connected to sin. Sometimes sickness is connected to sin. And then there's just the general decay or sickness that we all encounter every day, which is part of the fall. You see, it's part of the curse. When Adam and Eve, our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents disobeyed God. And we are in that DNA, in that genetic makeup. And so we carry that today. And humanity started to die. But Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross. So healing is there, spiritual and physical healing for us. Jesus has the power not only to forgive sins, but he has the power to heal us. And Jesus made this truth so evident as he healed people when he walked this earth. But more than that, the connection between sin and physical healing I think of the story in Luke chapter 5. The lame man. There was a lame man. He couldn't walk. He was on a mat. He had four friends. These friends heard that Jesus was teaching and preaching. And they wanted their friend to be healed. So these four friends, they grabbed their friend's mat. And they carried him to where Jesus was preaching and teaching. Jesus was in a house at that time. The crowds were so big, they just was right full. They couldn't get near Jesus. And so they took their paralyzed friend with a mat. They went up on the roof. They dug through the roof. They lowered the paralyzed man through the roof right in front of Jesus. Imagine being there. You know, a little bit of dust falls down first. And all of a sudden you see this mat coming down, a bed, you know, a stretcher on four ropes. There's a paralyzed person just coming right down in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, he looks up, tells us he looks up. He sees the faith that's going on. And he says to the paralyzed man, he says, your sins are forgiven. Well, those that were around Jesus, there were some like Pharisee skeptics, even today skeptics. And you might be a skeptic. You know, sitting there, some skeptics were there. But Jesus knows our thoughts. He's God. 
And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they begin to think to themselves, they're thinking, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. It's easy to say your sin is forgiven, but how do we know that the sin is forgiven? Right? Only God can forgive sins. Oh, this guy's a charlatan. But what does Jesus say? Luke chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Right? Which is it easier to do? And what happened? But Jesus says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, the power to not only forgive sins, but to heal. And he said to the man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And that's what the man did. Healing begins, I believe, in all cases with the command, go and sin no more or come. Healing begins with either go or come. And the go has several contacts behind it. Or come. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come. Come to God. If you're struggling, then come. Or, or maybe go. The Gospel of Mark, Mark 16, 15 to 20. There's a go there. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poisons, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Go, proclaim the gospel. See the power of God at work. This is supported in John chapter 14, 12 to 14, where Jesus says, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will go do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Go. But the go also might mean leave your sin. Leave the life of sin. Go away from it. And follow Jesus. Throughout the book of Acts, we read of the power of Jesus manifested in healings and verifying the truth of the gospel. So we move past the time of Jesus now to the church 
And that's where we are. We are in the church age. We are part of the book of Acts, we could say. And there we find healings. I'll call this divine healing. Healing power, divine healing is not from faith, but from Jesus. And we need to realize that. Healing is from Jesus. Faith, who do you have faith in would be the question. There is no power in faith. It's in who is behind your faith. We always need to keep that straight. Faith and faith is nothing. Divine healing is not from within us. Mind over matter. That's not divine healing. That's not healing from God. Mind over matter. Oh, I'm just going to think that I'm healed. I'm just, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Mind over matter. No, no, that's not it either. Divine healing is not from faith healers, but it's from Jesus. Divine healing is not from doctors and medicine, but from Jesus. And doctors and medicine can be part of divine healing, but divine healing is above and beyond that. Again, when Jesus walked this earth, healing was just a regular part of everyday life. And I wonder if I could challenge us to think that way too. That healing would be a part of our everyday life. Have you ever thought of it that way? If you're walking in the power of the Spirit, if you're a child of God, then couldn't you not move through your day in that fashion? I'll give you an example. In the scriptures, we have this example given to us. In Matthew chapter 8, just a day day in Jesus' life, we could say. Matthew chapter 8, 14, it starts. Earlier, Jesus is teaching and doing things, but then he moves along and it says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And what did he do? He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. Just part of everyday life. If God has given us the blessing of healing, then why aren't we living every day in that blessing? Why don't we look at it as a normal part of daily life? It continues, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Now you might say to me at this moment in time, hold it, pastor. We know that not everyone gets healed. And you're right. Everyone who came to Jesus did get healed. But we know today not everyone gets healed. And so we might ask, why? I'm not sure. I don't know. But I can tell you that many, many do get healed. Is it a lack of faith? 
I don't think so. I guess the answer I would give you is this. Maybe God wants to do something in your life. And the only way he can do that is through that sickness. That's how he gets your attention. Or maybe through that illness or that sickness, he can use you, while without that, you'd be unusable. Maybe pride or something else like that. And you might say, Pastor, that sounds good. I'm going to give you some scripture text for that. Paul. We know Paul, right? That great apostle. The one who started the, the church growth, we could say. First he was persecuting the church. And then he came to know Jesus Christ and planted churches without end. But Paul struggled. Paul had physical issues. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Paul says, and it's written for us today. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. The sickness, the, the trouble that you are having, the health issue, might not be as bad as you think it is. The question I have to ask you, is that health issue keeping you from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. If it is, then you better go to Jesus. If it's not, then proclaim Jesus. We have to realize that one day we all will be healed. That is the promise. And the healing that takes place today is only a foreshadow of the complete healing that will take place when we are in the presence of Jesus at the second coming of Jesus. Remember, those of you that have been healed, even myself, I remind myself again and again, yes, I'm healed, but I will still die. I could still kind of end up in the same place type of thing. The healing we receive today is for a moment. And the question is, is why? So that the gospel would be declared. Your healing is the power of God and the testimony of God. It's not that you can go about doing what you want to do. I remember one guy he came to me and he wanted healing. And I asked him, why do, you want to go he why do you want to be healed? And he told me so he could continue in this recreation sport that he was doing. And I said, why should God heal you so you can do that? If you would have told me that you want to be healed so you can proclaim Jesus. But if it's just to continue to do a sport or a pleasure that you want, 
Anyways, we'll leave that. No one escapes death. And many times we need to realize that our bodies weaken and they wear out. And that is life and it goes back to the fall. But it's not the end. No. Yes, sometimes sickness leads to death. But we enter the presence of God. And when we enter the presence of God, we get a new body. And that's the promise. When Christ returns, he heals every ailment. Everything is taken away. Everything is restored. I think more than healing, God is far more interested in doing a deep work in your heart. The healing is a confirmation of the power of God. It's a testimony. But he wants to do a deep work in your heart. Healing is for the moment. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus healed people by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the invitation to be healed is just as fresh today as it was then. Why do I say that? Because Hebrews 13.8 tells us, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power hasn't gotten any less. It's still there. The promises have not been rescinded. The promises are still there. Everything is still there. He invites us to receive healing and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of God living in us, the source of healing and empowerment. So the invite is simple. It's just ask Jesus for healing. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He will give health and strength to your mortal bodies. Because of his spirit who lives in you, on the cross of Calvary, Christ purchased our forgiveness and our physical healing. Isaiah 53 tells us that so clearly. Verse 5, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24, it says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Spiritual healing and physical healing. So divine healing takes place when Jesus died when he willingly offered himself on the cross, when he bore our sins. At the same time, at the same time, he purchased our healing. So the healing that's found in the cross of Calvary is for today and for future. 
We need to realize the healing we experience today is just a taste of what the future will be. It's the manifestation of God's power. And the Bible gives us instructions for healing. One of the spiritual gifts is the gift of healing. And you can at any time go to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for healing. But on top of that, so we have gift of healing. We have the fact that you can ask God, ask Jesus for anything. And then, so it's kind of like a triple emphasis, we could say. And then he has given yet instructions on some steps for healing. James chapter 5, 14 to 16. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We've got to stop here for a moment. And I always say, listen to the way it's worded. Look at it. You can see it on the PowerPoint. And the prayer offered in faith, who's praying? Not the sick person. Do you notice that? It's not dependent upon the faith of the sick person. Okay? Look at it again. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Who's praying? The elders of the church. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith. will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's a relationship here too in reference to confession of sin and healing. So later, at the end of the service, I'm going to extend an invitation. I'm going to extend it even now already at this moment. And I'm going to say, if you want someone to pray for you, with you, over you, then at the end of the service, you're invited to come to the front. And there's a prayer station there. There's a prayer station over there. Prayer up front here. And I'm going to ask the elders that there'd be an elder there, another one there, an elder up front here. And they're going to pray with you. They're going to pray with you. How does it begin though? In a really fast way, I'm just going to pull this apart for us here. It starts with first asking Jesus for forgiveness. It's first coming before Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, is there any sin in my life that needs to be confessed? Then claim the promise of healing. Ask the elders to anoint you with oil and pray for you. Believe that you are healed. Take God at his word and step forward in that faith. So I'm going to mention this again. The invitation is extended. 
people. So here, I'm going to close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Father, we want to thank you again for your promises in your word. Father, we thank you for the invitation that's extended for us to spiritually be healed and physically be healed. Lord, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we say thank you. Father, thank you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.